You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 35 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined, as I have been these many a long weeks, by our social media manager, Mr. James Healy. Hello, Jim. How are you? Very well, Ian. Very well. Uh, how about yourself? Not too bad. We haven't discussed our uh, our respective fitness regimens for quite a while. And I'm very pleased to report that I'm coming to the end of mine um, because it, the last phase of this um, Joe Wicks exercise and diet regimen has, has been has been absolutely horrendous. And uh, I want to go back to the to the beginning where it was all baby steps. I mean, the foods continue to be to be to be good, but the um, I have been very moany recently to Mrs. Knockholds, which she has not appreciated. I have to say. Yeah, I've been the same. I've kept up with my uh, PT training though once a week, which is hard work. It's early in the morning, and he's making me lift heavy weights and do running and things like that. So. Actually, he texted me this morning and said, are you still on for this week? And I messaged him back saying, yeah, Friday, normal time. And then at the end, I said, I would like to say I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm not. The next day is just so painful. I walk like Tin Man after. It's horrible. Yes, I know what the, I know the feeling. My knees have been giving me terrible jib. And I don't think I'm of an age where I should be complaining about my knees. But, it, you know, at the beginning of all of this, I was sort of, you know, talking about making a, a late foray into the Tool Station Western League, you know, to sort of capture the playing days that I never had. But frankly, I mean, I'd, I'd be lucky to get round the pitch before yeah, keeling I, over I, at this rate. Yeah, I struggle walking around the pitch with my camera, so let alone running around like these fellas do. I mean, I think that I've, I've man- I'm the only person in the world who's managed to do a diet and fitness regime and come out of it fatter and unfitter. <laughs> No, I think I, I possibly at that stage as well. I'm paying for the privilege as well with a personal oh, yes. trainer. Yeah, and get home and probably have a McDonald's breakfast after. Celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, never mind that. Right then, on this week's podcast, we've got two excellent interviews for you. We hear from Richard Luffman, the manager of Cribs, and uh, we hear from Steve Loxton. He's the chairman of Wells City. Uh, Jim and I will also be having our customary conversation about social media, although there isn't a great deal to talk about this week for obvious reasons that I'm sure we'll cover later in the podcast. But um, we'll kick off then with the Cribs manager, Richard Luffman. And I last spoke to Richard in November. Of, uh, of last year and and from that point on Cribs only managed to play one more competitive match I'm, I'm sure that's got absolutely nothing to do with my interview with Richard um, but anyway I started by asking him for his thoughts on how this season has panned out Oh it's a bit of shambles isn't it um, it's uh, I think I've been in charge a, a year at Cribs coming up a year approaching a year and I think we've had 15 competitive games and about 25 friendlies so um yeah, I don't think anyone envisaged the last 12 months being as bad as has been from a footballing point of view. But, um, you know, there's obviously other things going on and the people that make the decisions have, have made them. And obviously we've we've fallen in line and we've now had two seasons that effectively don't count for very much. But, yeah, it is, it is what it is really, isn't it? It's uh, not, not a lot more that you can sort of do about it, is there? So you've just got to crack on and try and enjoy your Saturdays when you get them and... Um, you know, and that's what we're trying to do, really. I mean, do you think it helped not knowing just how long we were going to be without playing football? Because, obviously, you've had to try and keep your side 
focused, you've had to try and keep them engaged. Obviously, you don't want to be losing players when you're trying to build something at Cribs. So, I mean, has it just been a question of sort of going from one week to the next? Or, I mean, have you, have you had a view going back to Christmas that, you know, we could be out for, you know, three or four months? Well, I think when... I'm trying to remember all the dates now. When we shut down at the end of October and they were talking that we were going to be on a month lockdown, I think we took, we took it sort of quite literally that that would be a month and come December we'd be back playing and maybe we'd have a shortened season in terms of, you know, doing a points per game finish or, um, or, or, or extending the season into May and June and, and, and finish it that way. Obviously, when, when it was come to light that quite clearly we weren't going to be back playing anytime soon um, and they got the Vars games done because obviously there was a little bit more riding on that. I think from Christmas onwards I think we when the decision was made about the 28th 29th of December was the last time we met up I think we all had a very good idea at that point that it was going to be finished in terms of keeping players together it's, it hasn't proved too difficult because we obviously finished the season so well or finished the <laughs> didn't finish the season at the time that the season was curtailed we obviously were on a good run of form but also obviously everyone else is in the same boat so every other league and every other level that's connected to us in the same boat so everyone's sort of watching this space and you know following the certain people on social media to see what the next stages were but it is, again it's, it's been a it's flown by we're five months down the line now nearly from from obviously when we had our last competitive game and hopefully we're now only three months away from our next competitive one so we've, we've got through the, the worst part of it and we can we can look forward to hopefully touch wood um, a normal season where you know we play 42 games or 40 games whatever division we're in and, and, and it finishes properly and we can get back talking about football rather than you know, points per game and curtailment, which is all anyone seems to talk about, and regionalised leagues. It'd be nice to play some competitive football and, and get back to some normality, really, Ian. Well, let's talk about some football because you are one of the clubs that I've noticed that has been playing friendlies, and I think you've um, recently started a, a tournament at Portishead. Yeah, we did. We, 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 asked the, we asked the players what they wanted to do, and all, it was, you know, with the exception of, of one, everyone wanted to get back and, and play as many games as possible over the, the next sort of, well, from the 1st of April through to the middle of May. So we, we managed to arrange, I think by the time it hopefully finishes, we'd have played 10 fixtures. Um, and we, we went to the Bristol Manor Farm tournament, which was really well organised. And we're really, really unlucky not to progress past broken glass. We, we were certainly the better side on the day, but lost on penalties. And, you know, and the, the, after about 45 minutes of that game, it was, um, it was a bit of a non-event the second half because everyone was so... You know, bodies wondering what was happening after having <laughs> so long out. But um, so we, we had that one that we, we obviously we went out on penalties, and we've had some really tough fixtures. Our, our pitch is, is having some work done on our facility, so we're having, the facility is going to be even better next year. They've had a lot of work done up at Cribs, um, so we've had done all all of our fixtures have been away from home. Um, we've we've been down to Street and had a good win. Um, we've, we've been down to Shepton Manor, uh, Shepton Manor, sorry, and, and got a good, you know, drew nil nil down there in a really competitive game, and and we beat Cleveland on Saturday, and and now we're in the, the last couple of fixtures in the, the Porters Head tournament, and we're away, obviously, it's away to um, Longwell Green tomorrow night, and if we avoid defeat in that, we'll be in the final against either Lebec or Porters Head. I think it is. It'll be a nice way to finish it off. And, you know, the, both tournaments, the Bristol Manor Farm one and this one, they, they've got a tiny bit more riding on it. Whilst it's uh, 
it's not league action or bars or, or anything like that. At least there's some form of competitiveness to it, which is um, which has helped really. Well, you're certainly the teams you're talking about. You know, certainly we know from the Western League perspective will give you a good game. But I mean, what's it been like for you? Has it been a pre-season pre-season for you, or has it really just been a sort of a cathartic experience just to get the coronavirus off our back, get playing again, you know, and and, and try and bring some normality to you and your team? If you want my honest opinion, uh, I don't think any manager's enjoying this time because you know from. We don't get to cross the white line and actually play and get the enjoyment of playing. Um, our enjoyment comes from that that winning on a Saturday afternoon when there's something at stake. But it's it's you know we're hoping that getting these these fixtures in that when we get back to pre season in the middle of June or end of June that bodies aren't going to be you know as, as in bad nick as what they were when we found them at the start of April. So it's it's almost been a case of having to do something and trying to make the best of it of a pretty rubbish situation, really. Um, you know, I've, the Saturday games are enjoyable, but when you get home at one o'clock in the morning from a, a midweek game down in Wincanton, for example, it's a long old trip, you know, it's, um, you do question whether you're, whether you're a bit insane, really, but, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's helped us. We've had, it, we've had some good, you know, the Cleveland one on Saturday was good fun. If you go to ship to Mallet the following Saturday, the previous Saturday, sorry, was good fun. And, yeah, I, I, we've, we've looked at players in different positions. We've, and a couple of lads that have, have come across from, you know, one from the league below and one from uh, another division that he's, he's obviously moved to the area. So we had a good opportunity to have a look at those players. Um, and I suppose on the whole, we, you know, we've only lost one fixture out of those so far of the eight that we played. And, and, our, and our form is, has continued to be good like it was at the back end of the, the Western League. So it's been a worthwhile experience, but... I'm praying to God I don't have to do it again, Ian, if I'm honest, because it's, um, it's hard graft getting yourself up for a, a friendly that you haven't really got any, you know, you, we're three months away from competitive fixture. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been hard, but it's hopefully been worthwhile. Well, that's good to hear. But, of course, the, the flip side of that is the fact that, as you say, you've been in good form. I'm sure I'm not the only person who's been keeping an eye on your results on social media. And, of course, you did finish fifth in the table when the season was curtailed. So I think you're going to be on a few more radars than perhaps you um, you know, you know, were at the start of the season. I mean, is, is that a problem for you or is that how you want it? Hopefully we are on a few more radars. And, you know, I think... What we, what we know, we the fixtures that we've had at home, we've been excellent. So ever since I've taken over the football club, we've, we've yet to lose at, at Cribs in pre-season games or in in competitive fixtures. And we've played three or four seven league sides, and we've been a really good side at home. And we've dished out some some big some, some big defeats to sides. You know, we beat Cabri Heath by four, we beat Bridport by six, we beat Burke Hampstead, in, who are now going to be a seven Premier League side. And, we beat them by, you know, two nil and it could have been five or six. So we, we knew we were a good team at home, but our away form was was particularly poor. Um, so this has given us an opportunity to figure out another way of playing away from home. And yeah, we I am not I'm not you know, I don't turn up and give up all of my time running the football team to just want to be a an also round. We want to be at the top end of the division and, and whatever league we're in next year, whether it be the Western League or the or the Hellenic. Um, we want to make a very good account of ourselves, and you know we were we were fourth, I think, on points per game in the in the Western League, and we were six wins from six. So we were, you know, I think Plymouth Parkway would have run away with it, but everybody else was, you know, there was a seven or eight sides that could have, you know, got into the top two and, and pushed into that playoff spot, and we felt that we had an outside chance of that. Whilst we were behind others in terms of experience of being in and around that that area of the division, we we certainly want to get to there. 
And if we can do that next season and compete to, you know, obviously whatever league we're in next year, it won't have a side as good as Plymouth Parkway in it. So that makes it a lot more competitive for everybody. And for us, we want to be we want to be in the, the top two or three spots next year, whatever league we're in. That's the aim, certainly. Hopefully, we won't have to wait that much longer to find out which leagues um, clubs are going to be competing in. And I think you're right to raise the prospect of lateral movement because although all the talk has been about upward movement and that's obviously to the benefit of clubs um, like Plymouth Parkway, there are going to be a host of Western League clubs that won't be competing in our in our league next season. And obviously you're very conscious that, that could you could be one of them. I mean, how does that make you feel about next season? Do, you know, do you, do, has that made you, your preparations, has that made your, you know, your considerations for signings and things like that any more complicated? It hasn't because we, our eyes were open to it. So when I when I took the job on twelve months ago, the the plan really, and it was my plan that I put in place, was to to have a year of establishing ourselves as a as a very good Western League side, um, knowing that the club had received you know documentation that we were going to be a Hellenic League side the year after. Um, now obviously the curtailment has meant that that might change because of upward movement and no clubs going down, and I know there are changes to that, but. You know, we, we were expecting to go across the Hellenic League and, and our plan was to sign players that were on board with that so that we didn't have a big change of players and sign them because, you know, we've got people that are based the other side of the Western League. So people are based around Bridgewater and Taunton. And when we signed them, we were very honest that they were, they were prepared to come across the Hellenic with us where we want to try and get promoted out of. Now, whether we can do that in one or two seasons, that's, that's the aim. But obviously, I believe... Any side that's going into the Hellenic League next year, it will be a it'll be a less competitive league than the Western League. I think, with the exception of the Northern League sides at Step Five, the Western League is at the moment the strongest. You know, you, you only have to look at you know your, your Tavistock, your Exmouth, your Parkways, your Bittens, ourselves, Clevedon. You know, there's and I'm, and I'm probably missing two or three, and I'm not intentionally done that. That sides that could could finish in the top three or four at most divisions at Step Five. So having those spread across two divisions, of course, will make it a lot, lot, lot easier. Now, we're not naive to think that there'll be no one outside the Western League that can compete at the top end of the Hellenic, but it certainly makes it more achievable. I think the money in those divisions is less, which obviously helps. So, yeah, we, the plan, the strategy, if you want to call it, is that we would know full well one day we'd be in the Hellenic League and we want to get promoted out of it. So, you know, we haven't signed players that will only stay with us in the Western League and, and that, that's helped us really and everyone from last year is committed to the football club next year we've got two or three signings that we're going to add to it we've already you know we brought a new goalkeeper in from the Southern League who, who is, is arguably one of the best goalkeepers at five level um, so we're, we're confident that we can have a really good year next year and, and the club you know the club's a fantastic place to be at the minute we've got some brilliant footballers we've got a really good camaraderie amongst amongst the group I get on really well the players the players get on really well with the you know the chairman the vice chairman all everything's in place to have a really good good crack at it the facilities being done up so yeah I think exciting times ahead really for all of us whatever division we're in if that is the Western League then we won't be we won't be upset about that we'll be we'll be looking forward to the challenge of getting ourselves involved in the you know the push for getting out of the division like like I said those other clubs that I mentioned well, you're very upbeat, Richard, and um, I'm tempted to um, end the interview there to finish on, on that high note. But there were 
a couple of other questions I did want to ask you, and I, I really hope I don't end up bringing you down by, by asking <laughs> you these. But, I mean, we, we, we know that we're coming out of lockdown and we know that things are looking very good. Realistically, when you look back over the experience of the last two years, how do you feel about the upcoming season? Are you concerned that COVID could rear its ugly head again? Yeah, I mean, I try not to be too political on these sorts of conversations because um, I think you've got to you've got to toe the the right line. Yeah, it, 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 we now have exposure to what it is, and we should be able to be in a position that football, being that majority of football players are under the, the you know the, the vulnerable category, um, and clubs now need to be aware that their finances may take a hit, and they should be. It's the people at the top rather than offering. You know, and I'm talking from League One level all the way down, clubs need to be sensible with what they're offering players so that they know that if they aren't allowed supporters, that they can still operate, at the, uh, you know, profitably or at least not make, you know, lose money. So I think we should be in a position to, to manage the next one if there is a next one, and God forbid there isn't. Um, but if there is, we should be in a position that we can manage it and get games on so that, we don't lose a generation of football talent to a, to a, to the pandemic because we're, we're very, very close. I think if we had another bad year um, of not finishing a season or not doing things properly, that a lot of young 23, 24, 25-year-olds would have had a vast majority of their, you know, I, I say career loosely because we're, we're semi, semi-professional footballers, but their footballing experience or journey gone um, and we've got, to, we've got to be mindful of that. But yes, I am hopeful in answer to your question here. And my thanks to Richard for his time. Now then, Jim, it, this is the time in the podcast when we have a, a conversation about what's been going on on the Twitter sphere. But um, as we touched upon on last week's episode, um, uh, there wasn't a great deal going on, um, but that was by design rather than by default. Yeah, it was uh, quite quiet. I mean, we've had a couple of conversations over the weekend and since then about how nice it was actually to step away from... Twitter and Facebook, etc., and have a little break from it. I mean, that was just our personal accounts. But yeah, everyone seemed to follow the uh, the boycott of social media this weekend. Um, hopefully, now people, the uh, social media giants, will take note of people not being on there. Um, I think it hit them in the pocket, which uh, which is a good thing. But one that I think the Manchester United. Um, Social media team must have been glad they were on the uh, <laughs> on the boycott with what happened there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that some clubs were actually quite quite happy because uh, relegation, but there was others that I'm sure would have liked to be using their social media with uh, with, their, with teams going up. Yeah, I, I remember what you were saying to me last week about Peterborough, and of course they managed to secure their promotion in the most dramatic fashion. And um, as much as I enjoyed watching that on on Sky Sports on on Saturday afternoon, you do have to feel for the club and the fans at a time when obviously fans can't be in the ground to share that. I know the same is the case for Cheltenham Town fans as well. Obviously, that's a little bit more close to home for us. Um, but I mean, that is the flip side of it. So I mean, it was a sacrifice that was. Um, I mean, I, I'd still maintain it was well made, but of course, I'm you know, I, I didn't have any skin in the game. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, was, uh, don't think anyone did tweet the whole weekend. I mean, my timeline was I kept looking at it, uh, trying to go, go cold turkey on it, but it dragged me back in just to see what was happening. But my timeline was so quiet, so it just goes to show that the people I follow 
mainly work in sport because it was obviously wasn't just the football that weren't tweeting. Um, I follow Somerset cricket, so go to watch them a lot. Obviously, we can't go and watch, so it's just an online stream at the moment. But if I'm out and about, then I rely on their Twitter feed. Yeah, thinking about it, it does make you think how much time you spend on social media. It made you go on it for just a quick look. An hour later, you're still scrolling through and looking at stuff. So, personally, I quite enjoyed the uh, the boycott because it was nice to actually have conversations with people. Uh, and not constantly looking at my phone. So, yeah, it was actually quite nice. I know. That's the funny thing about it, isn't it? That's the unintended consequence, you know, in, in sort of wrestling back some control over our social media use. We've become so used to using it to keep in touch with not just, obviously, football or what's going on in the non-league world. I mean, you know, I was dearly missing my updates from Ollie Bayliss, who's, um, you know, who's become the go-to man over over lockdown with, with, with breaking news from the Football Association. But... Um, I mean, it, it just does remind us, doesn't it? It's, it's pressed the reset button in, in the way that we use social media and our relationship with social media. And I mean, I'm sure you're no different to me. Sometimes the stuff you read on social media really gets your goat and, it, you know, it can, it can sort of fire you up, grind your gears. And, um, and actually, we had a weekend where we didn't have any of that. You know, I talked to my kids you know, for the first time in seven years, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was, um, it was, it was quite cathartic. And, you know, you do wonder the genie might be a little bit out of the bottle on this one. The social media companies going to have to work pretty hard to make sure they get their house in order so that actually we get back using this platform like we should be. Yeah. Just actually speaking to people, it was, uh, it was quite nice because normally you got, you look at, you look around at people when you're out and about nine out of 10 people have probably got their head down on their phones i'm guilty of it i know that when i'm out for a walk but over the weekend it was actually it was nice to take in your surroundings i went and watched a bit of local cricket and yeah it was just, i didn't take my phone out with me i left it in the car it was it felt a bit weird but it was actually really nice if you're thinking tool station i know they'll save me money but do they have all the top brands you know dewalt makita einhell stanley myra kudox nest and santex yeah they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Uh, right then, we'll move on to our, our second interview now, and that is with Steve Loxton. Steve is the chairman of Wells City, and over the last two seasons, Wells Form has put them in fifth position in that combined points per game standings that the FA are using to determine which clubs get the opportunity for upward movement. So I started my conversation with Steve by asking him whether that was something that he welcomed for the club. Yes, it is something that we welcome. It's a strange one. Um, as a, a keen sportsman in my playing days, I find it strange. I'm a bit mixed. I'm sat on the fence a little bit because I'm a bit mixed. I'd like to win it. I'd like to win as right and go up and be promoted due to the uh, the, the team performance on the pitch. Um, so to, to go up by this kind of restructuring of the, the leagues is a bit strange. Um, as I said, I'd rather win it and, and enjoy the time of being champions and the name on the cup, etc., etc. But... This is taken out of our hands. Um, I'm not against the restructuring of the leagues, and I'm, I'm happy to take it anyway. If we refuse, we never know when we might get the chance again. 
So, um, yeah, I, I do also think that we've had a couple of good seasons. Last season, even shorter, wasn't our best. We didn't really kind of get back to it as we were as we finished previously. But I do think we would have probably got promoted the previous season anyway. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's mixed because I... I for the players as well to do it, have enjoyed perhaps being runners up or being champions and getting promoted by right, or just because of clubs are being moved and the leagues are being structured, it just doesn't seem quite right. But I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of the Western League Premier Division next season then? Because obviously we know that there's going to be you know more clubs coming in from the peninsula, and it's going to be a very different landscape to the one that you left. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you could say it's um, going to have a few away days. Um, the travel, it was just strange, and I know you mentioned it previously, that the distance is one of the reasons for the restructuring. And yet the Western League is going to have um, quite a wide, the Premier Division especially, is going to have quite a distance to travel for games. Um, if, as what I'm hearing, other teams are back in, I mean, I've not had anything confirmed to me yet, but, um, you know, we could be going to Helston and Barnstable and Ilfracombe. Uh, it's just some of the away days. But I, I've got a feeling that that's what it is. You've signed up to be in this league. You've signed up to be in this division. Uh, whether you really agree with it or not, that's what it is. And um, you've just got to get on with it. I mean, we used to get drawn away of an evening game against Minehead. And everyone who's been in the Western League for a while will know that the road to Minehead is not a good one, especially at five o'clock at night. It's a short distance on the map, but it's two and a half hours to get there. It's a nightmare. So you could probably get to some of these grounds just as easy as we could to teams grounds like Minehead. But also what the, the Premier Division holds for the club like Wales is a possibility of fixtures against street Shepton and possibly and hopefully Radstock as well. Um, so you've got to you've got to weigh the both up. So we have got further to go on a lot of games, but we haven't got that far to go on a few more. I mean, let's think about what it's been like for you this season and and last. To be fair, certainly the end of it. I mean, it, it's been it, it's been obviously incredibly strange circumstances for everybody. And you know, normally on the podcast, I talk to managers and what you know what it's like for them. But you're looking, as chairman, you're looking at the coronavirus and the restrictions that have been brought in to manage um, spectators being allowed to have access to, to, to grounds. Um, you're looking at that in a slightly different perspective. So, I mean, what's it, what, you know, what has this crisis meant to your football club? It's, it's meant a, a huge amount, a loss of income. Uh, I think, and I think most clubs in our similar position would say the same. We survive... Um, solely on the bar takings and, and the revenue from functions and uh, events that we hold in the bar. Uh, our gate receipts cover about the day-to-day expenses of the referees, etc. Um, and sponsorship, yeah, I mean, that helps. I mean, it could always be more, but Wells is not a great industrial city. It's, it's full of um, retirement homes, so we, we're not blessed with the best avenue for sponsors. When we have a great First team sponsor at the moment, Stuart. Um, but it, it, the bar is our main sort force, form of income, and even to do summer maintenance program on the pitches, to maintain and keep the stands and the change rooms up to any form of standard, costs a lot of money. And um, 
without any spectators, without any bar function, we just don't have any income. So um, we've, we've had to tighten the belts. We've kind of stopped projects that we had underway. Um, we've had to rearrange everything. Um, and to be fair, that's when we were allowed to have um, seating and uh, people in, inside, that um, the attendances were up. Uh, and the atmosphere was, was some of the best times we've had in, in recent years. And so it was, it was good for a few couple of months. It was, it was good again in last, the end of last year. Um, but then when now it's, it's, it's completely curtailed, and I know our reserves are playing in cup matches and our A's are playing in cup matches, uh, and the ladies have finished their league. But with no spectators, it's, it's very difficult. And um, it's not the same for the players. Um, I, I don't know... It's, it's, I'd rather be safe than sorry, but it's a shame that if we were playing on an open park in the middle of a, a wreck, we'd be fine. We could still play. Um, we could still have spectators. Because we've got a fence and we've got turnstiles and we've got all the facilities, we're deemed as being a stadium and therefore we can't have any spectators. Um, but as like I said before, that's what it is. We've got to deal with it the best we can. Um, and our players and our management team have taken it on board fantastically well, especially the players. I've got a great bunch of lads right way through, and girls right way through the club. And so, you know, hats off to them for coping with it because it has been difficult for them as well. I mean, do you think that you sit at a crossroads almost between, you know, you talk about Stadia and um, we talk about the sort of you know the organised non-league game, but you're also talking about ladies football. You're talking about you know county level football. I mean, you know, in the way that that football is administered, when when the football association talk about grassroots football, when they talk about the national league system, you as a chairman must must find that quite difficult to to try and compute what it means to the different sides of different people involved in your football club. Yes, I mean, there's grassroots football and there's grassroots football. Um, uh, and, yeah, you hear all these kind of nice emails and, and uh, a lot of nice tweets and comments about from the FA about grassroots football and this amount is getting ploughed into it and we'll do this for grassroots football. But I, I, I don't see any of that, personally. I, I don't see any kind of snowballing back our way. We've still got to jump through every hoop. It's still miles and miles of red tape. And it just, it, it's a strange one. I, I, I don't think that there's really the finger on the pulse of grassroots football, which is the kind of lifeblood of the game. And it's a shame. It's a big shame because it's, we're not the only club. And I expect majority of chairmen in around the Western League, above and below, will say the same, that it's, it's, it's we're overlooked. And it's, just, it's a real crying shame because the amount of people we're giving good mental health too, physical health too, looking after people's welfare. You know, we're a community club. We look after, we've got eight teams from under sixes right the way up to two under 18 teams, three senior men's and one ladies, and we'll probably have two ladies next year. Um, you know, we're doing a terrific amount for the community. We get very little or no help from the FA. Um, in fact, it seems to be more obstacles put on your way. You've got to jump through this, get that. You need this, you need extra this. You will only give you X amount of grants or funding or a loan, which just seems ridiculous to me. Uh, and yet you see the big boys on the TV and you, you just think, well, it's, it's a million miles away. And especially with the onset of that Super League, it was, uh, it was it made it even more of a gulf 
Uh, and that's why I think there's the FA think there's grassroots, but in reality there is a, a further grassroots to the, the FA grassroots. I mean, without wishing to depress you even further, I mean, if we look ahead <laughs> to next season, you know, are you concerned about another COVID interruption? I mean, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that you know things are looking really good at the moment, and we, I don't want to, I don't want to be a doom monger because I think you know that we, we've got reasons to be really optimistic. But I mean, we've we've just been through a hellish eighteen months, and from your position as a as an administrator in the game. You have to look at these things from the worst case scenario, particularly when you're having conversations with volunteers and with sponsors. So, I mean, how how are you looking at the next twelve months, the next season? I'm, I'm hopeful, and I don't, but I don't think we will get another interruption or serious interruption that we've had due to COVID. I think there may be the one or two uh, blips with one or two sides, with a player maybe contracting or having uh, tested positive from COVID. So you may have what we've had in the past with one or two individuals, teams not being able to com- fulfil a fixture, but that can be easily be arranged. So I don't think there'll be a major kind of lockdown again. Um, I mean, I've worked all the way through from the very, very onset. I've not stopped. Um, both my wife and myself have, have been worked right the way through COVID. I've never been furloughed. We've carried on um, through thick and thin. And I, that's the way I think the, cl- the club has, especially our club has, We've got a great bunch of volunteers. They're really, we've got a COVID officer in, in, in place who's really strict, uh, and our volunteers are kind of very well addressed and well briefed of what to do and what not to do. Um, yes, you get the odd kind of bit of abuse with it, but um, we soon get hold of it and we change it around and we make sure that it doesn't happen again. But so we've got sanitizing stations throughout the club, and we're well aware and we're, we're well prepared for anything. I can't really say to you how this will pan out, but I think we'll have an inter- uninterrupted uh, next season, apart from maybe the odd glitch of one or two teams who players may contract COVID. But it's bound to rise a little bit with the schools going back, with businesses going back, with shops opening, and hopefully, touching wood, with um, spectators soon be allowed back into the stadium. So you will get the odd rise, but I think it's manageable. And I think we, as a club, Wales is as a club, Especially, uh, we're, we're quite well adapted. We're well aware of what could happen, and we're well equipped to cater for any in, in kind of outbreak that may occur. Now, one final question for you, and um, regular listeners to the Western League podcast will, of course, be very familiar with um, Nathan Truckle, um, your your former manager, and of course it, uh, his assistant Tom Clifford Jones as well. They were both mainstays on the podcast. We've really enjoyed our our conversations with them over the last few seasons. But there has been a change, as there has been, in, in fairness, at many clubs um, over this past 18 months. Um, have you got an update for us on um, on what your managerial situation is at Wells City? Yes, OK, I, I, can, I, can, I can give you an exclusive if you wish, Ian. Um, yeah, I'd like to also take this opportunity to say thank you to Nate and uh, to Tom, because they've been brilliant. Uh, Nathan took the job on really when the club, the first team especially, was in a little bit of a dire straits. And he, he said he would see the season out, and he ended up three years. So um, <laughs> I'd like to thank him and Tom. They did a brilliant job. You know, they, they got the atmosphere, the players, and all everything back in as it was prior to them joining. But yeah, um, they stood down at Christmas. A lot of a lot of issues, um, and especially they just couldn't get involved. They couldn't get motivated back again with stop start of COVID. 
and both of them had already told me that it would probably be their last seasons. So um, it just came a bit premature, but not out of the blue. Um, so obviously we then uh, put the kind of advert out for um, interest out to see who else would be interested in coming down to Wales. And I was really surprised and shocked by the uh, tremendous response we had. I think we had some really, really high-quality applicants for the, for the job. Um, but as COVID took hold and we went into another lockdown, we couldn't meet with anyone. We couldn't speak with anyone. It was, it was very, very difficult to try and appoint someone. I do like to meet them in person and uh, get a feel for the person and uh, just, just listen to them and see their body language, etc. Uh, without being able to do that, so we, we kind of put a halt on to it and we make a decision as and when the government allowed us to start meeting up again. So in that process, in that time period, obviously some of the applicants had found other positions, um, but one or two more had come to the, to the top of the pile. And so thankfully we met with top, the top five of them and had some good chats. And um, we decided we'd we plump for, for a mixture. We went with... Uh, Carl, Carl Bags from um, Bridgewater and uh, a, a, probably an unknown Western League, uh, Matt Abreu, who's uh, involved with Bolton. Um, and so we, we thought that would have been well. Um, yes. Carl brought along Sean Potter from, um, from Cheddar as his assistant, which was uh, kind of a, took us aback a little bit. Uh, it was a very, very pleasant surprise. Unfortunately, this weekend, due to um, personal and uh, work issues, Carl's had to take a step back. And um, he's now uh, just removed himself from his position until his work uh, settles down. Um, and so Sean and Matt will take over the running of the, the first team, uh, which actually I'm, I'm very, very pleased and excited about. I think the partnership will be great. And they'll be ably assisted by uh, Josh King, yeah, we've not made any public announcements. We were about to until Carl's news. So this is a first. So um, all you listeners to the Ian's podcast, it's um, Well City Manager for next season will be Sean Potter, Matt Abreu and Josh King. We're able assisted by... Um, Assisted by Steve, Steve, thank you very much indeed for your time and, and for the exclusive. It's um, really appreciated um, for us on the, uh, the, the Westernly podcast. And um, I really do hope the next time we get to have a conversation, it will be about you know, the, the football season that you're enjoying rather than the one that's caused you so many problems. Yeah, no, pro- no problems at all. Just looking for a, a major transport sponsor. So anyone you know who's got a, a big coach company that wants to sponsor the club, <laughs> we, we can do with someone if we get promoted. <laughs> and my thanks to Steve for his time. Now, before we uh, we wrap things up for another week, James, um, we've taken obviously a break from social media as we you know we've just discussed, um, but we are we are coming back. We haven't got a great deal to report, obviously, with all of our clubs now, you know, out of. Um, uh, out of the FA Vars, but um, we are going to be drawing a line under the the uh, the campaign that we that we started to celebrate our unsung heroes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got one more post which we're going to be putting up on on Saturday morning. Um, I think it's a nice one to end on. Actually, I won't go too much into it, so gives people something to look forward to, if you like. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got a nice post going out on um, on Saturday from a club. Uh, they were one of the first ones to send it in, but we've sat on it because it's 
yes, it's, it's, a, it's a nice post to end on, uh, to end a, like a, a successful campaign, I think. I think it's gone down really well. Uh, we had a lot of interaction from it and it gave clubs a chance to nominate their unsung heroes and to show what these volunteers actually do do for their clubs. And um, yeah, it was a nice way to thank them, I think. Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, now we'll we'll conclude by having a little bit of a chat about about the upcoming football fixtures. Um, obviously, our, you know our interest in the Vars has now expired, and uh, at the weekend, uh, just gone on Saturday, United Services Portsmouth took on Flatwell Heath. Of course, United Services Portsmouth beat Tavistock, and Flatwell Heath beat um, Plymouth Parkway. Well, um, Tavistock fans can probably breathe a little easier um, than their neighbours because it was United Services Portsmouth who uh, who went through on Saturday. They won um, 2-0 down in Portsmouth and they're going to take on Binfield in the semi-final. That's this weekend on Saturday the 8th of May. But why on earth am I talking about clubs that have got absolutely nothing to do with the Western League when we've got fixtures coming up ourselves, Jim? We are going to conclude the Les Phillips Cup at the end of this month when fans will be allowed back in. How many? We don't know yet, obviously, and we will be you know, keeping everybody up to date as soon as, as soon as we do know. But can you run us through those upcoming Les Phillips fixtures? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, first one, we've got Bridgewater uh, against Tavistock, kind of a replay of the game you covered the other, the other week, um, which is being played on Friday the 21st. Uh, we kick off at quarter to eight. Let's see, hopefully... We know a number of fans that are allowed in, so I know I'll be heading down there, I think, to get a football fix for that one. Uh, and then on Saturday, the 22nd of May, 3pm kickoff, Bradford host Hallen. Um, again, I'll probably head to that one myself, uh, depending on numbers allowed in. But uh, if I get there early enough, we should be all right. Uh, and then the final, the winner of those two will um, take place on the 29th, 3pm kickoff, uh, where Street will be hosting. Uh, this year's final, so uh, another football fix. So we've um, yeah, two weekends on the trot, two games are over one weekend, and then the final the weekend after. So hopefully we we'll have some good games to go and watch. Absolutely, and we'll keep the podcast going until those uh, until the final, and we'll have an opportunity to to talk with the successful manager in our in our final podcast of of the season. But for now, you've been listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast.